You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation. The financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to TC Podcasts On The Go. I'm Anatole Mani, the Senior Director with the Toronto Centre. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ms. Nicole Pistelli. Ms. Pistelli is a Senior Financial Inclusion Coordinator with the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. I will let Ms. Pistelli introduce herself and talk about the UNHCR in a moment. Her profile is available on our website as well. Our conversation will focus on financial inclusion for forcibly displaced persons. Almost 100 million people worldwide were forcibly displaced as of today. This issue has a personal connection for me. My parents were both displaced by the events of World War II, and my mother's journey in particular at an early age took her from Northern Europe, along with tens of thousands of other deportees through the Middle East to Africa. Eventually, she was living in villages across East Africa for several years. Finally, both my parents were resettled uh, from different locations, finding their way to Canada. So the circumstances of all refugees is heartfelt for me, and even more so uh, due to the unjust war in the Ukraine and the plight of its citizens seeking refuge in neighboring countries from attacks on innocent civilians. Welcome, Ms. Pistelli, Nicole, and thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you, Anatoly. It's a pleasure to be here. So to your question, um, UNICEF is primarily mandated to provide international protection and humanitarian assistance for persons whose lives have been uprooted as a result of conflict, violence, persecution, uh, human rights violations. Uh, the people UNSCR works with and for are refugees, uh, asylum seekers, uh, internally displaced, uh, returnees, and stateless people. UNSCR also seeks permanent solutions, meaning the chance for forcibly displaced to return home in safety and dignity, to integrate locally, or in the most vulnerable cases, to be resettled to a third country. UNSCR was created in 1950. Uh, during the aftermath of the Second World War to help millions of Europeans uh, who had fled or lost their homes. And today, over 17 years later, we have reached the unimaginable figure that you mentioned, 100 million people being forced to flee their homes. Besides the war in Ukraine, Major sources, countries of forcibly displaced are Syria, uh, Venezuela, Afghanistan, South Sudan, Myanmar. But additionally, there are new or continuing emergencies in place, such as Ethiopia, Burkina Faso, uh, Nigeria, uh, the De- Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, which have all contributed to this uh, staggering figure. About my role at UNICEAR, I am a Senior Financial Inclusion Coordinator. I support country operations to advocate for uh, forcibly displaced access to affordable and suitable financial services. 
uh, we work uh, to build awareness about the challenges that uh, this population faces in accessing formal financial services and to find solutions to overcome policy constraints, uh, market constraints, uh, and uh, misconceptions that hinder uh, refugees' access to financial services. That's an important role, and hopefully today's conversation can help with that awareness building. When uh, people become displaced, uh, for whatever reason, they often leave their homes quickly or are not able to access their residences. Valuable documents and records may be forgotten, abandoned, lost, destroyed, taken, or stolen. This makes it difficult for persons to identify themselves, connect with their former financial institutions, or access host country formal financial services. What can you tell us about the barriers to access financial services that displaced persons face? You touched upon one of the main uh, barriers that refugees and asylum seekers face when trying to access financial services, which is a lack of proper documentation that may either limit access or lack recognition by financial service providers. Along these issues, there are also inconsistencies uh, within country regulations, as well as misalignment between countries' policy directives and the practices followed by uh, financial service providers. Financial institutions are also often unaware of the legal rights and the socioeconomic profiles of refugees, so they do not see the business case for targeting them. And these challenges do not only prevent the refugees from accessing financial services, but also from obtaining sustainable livelihoods through decent work uh, as an entrepreneur or as an employee, which often require a bank account and other mainstream uh, financial services. And in addition, in many countries, uh, limited rights to work and to move further restricts uh, refugees' access to mainstream financial service providers. These are important hurdles to have to overcome. So do you have any views about how the various players in a host country's financial services ecosystem, like financial institutions, governments, uh, central banks, financial supervisors or regulators, and aid agencies can play in overcoming these barriers? There is certainly a role to play for each stakeholder group involved in the financial inclusion of forcibly displaced persons. It is, in fact, uh, required a concerted effort by a variety of, uh, of stakeholders working together to overcome uh, existing regulatory barriers, uh, unleashing capital for investment, collecting data, and sharing evidence and, uh, and good practices. Governments, uh, and more specifically policymakers and financial regulators, can create an enabling regulatory environment to ensure that uh, forcibly displaced have access to formal financial services, yet still ensuring a sound compliance with uh, anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism finances principles and, and procedures. In fact, uh, including the forcibly displaced in the formal economy will contribute to a reduction of money laundering and terrorism financing risks associated with their financial exclusion, as people will not have to rely on high-risk informal financial services that may actually jeopardize the country's efforts to combat financial crimes. And donors and the private sector uh, can also combine their funds 
through mobilized resources that create the right market incentives for financial service providers uh, to extend their services to, to the forcibly displaced. And so blended finance instruments can catalyze private sector financing for scalable investments to address the economic and social challenges faced by forcibly displaced and their host communities, as well as demonstrate the commercial viability of investments impacting this population. I think uh, it was an important point that you made that inclusion in the formal economy can reduce the risk of uh, financial crime and help uh, improve uh, financial stability. So those are important lessons. What are some key actions that regulators and policymakers can take to address specific needs to access to the formal financial services by forcibly displaced persons? I would say that first, uh, regulators and policymakers can promote an enabling regulatory framework. So following a risk-based approach to help establish the uh, tier know your customer and customer due diligence requirements in line with the financial action task force recommendations. So the recommendations of the task force already offer some flexibility to ensure that certain groups uh, such as low-income individuals and specifically uh, displaced persons or refugees are not unreasonably excluded from accessing financial services. As we mentioned, these groups often do not possess the proper identification document and therefore not able to meet the traditional customer due diligence requirements. So regulators can uh, therefore ensure that a financial service provider accept other types of evidence of identity, such as refugee cards or uh, supporting letters from community leaders in refugee camps when, uh, when that is applicable. Additionally, they should also provide clear, specific uh, guidance to financial service providers on how related policies, uh, regulations, directives should be interpreted to avoid legal uncertainty in providing services and, and products to forcibly displace, which uh, is often a, a challenge. Secondly, I would say that national financial inclusion strategies as their government-endorsed policies, are a particularly important reference for financial service providers willing to extend products and services to the forcibly displaced. So policymakers should explicitly mention uh, this, uh, this population as a target in, uh, in their strategies. And then one more uh, critical action concerns uh, the area of digital payments which are becoming increasingly important in development and humanitarian payments. So proper regulations are needed to ensure that robust digital payment and agent banking regulations are in place to support the use of digital platforms. They can rapidly be used to scale up access to financial services for all including uh, the forcibly displaced, uh, especially those who are living in, uh, in settlements far from urban centers or in rural areas where there are no points of services of, um, of financial services providers uh, nearby. Of course, we know that many refugee hosting countries face a number of challenges in enabling digital payments. And so this is an area where a public-private partnership can make the difference in enhancing payment solution. Um, for example, also linked to social protection programs, schemes, uh, and so to foster financial inclusion for all at the national level. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, I think you spoke about a couple of things that are uh, important and 
we often see in our Toronto Centre work is uh, building risk-based uh, supervisory models that are proportionate for the circumstances following the FATF uh, guidance and standards. And it's very important that countries have their national financial inclusion strategies and that uh, supervisors are included in the development and delivery of those uh, strategies. So thanks for reinforcing that. Do you have any examples uh, from your experience about how some financial supervisors or central banks have dealt with uh, financial inclusion for displaced persons in their jurisdictions? Yeah, we do have uh, positive examples of, of some jurisdictions that host refugees, which have permitted UNSCR IDs to satisfy the KYC uh, requirements. So in Zambia, for example, the central bank has granted approval for mobile money service providers to provide financial services to refugees who present identification cards or registration documents issued by the Minister of Home Affairs. Uh, going to the Middle East, uh, the Central Bank of Jordan included the refugees in the Jordanian National Financial Inclusion Strategy and they launched the, the Jordan Mobile Payments, the JomoPay, which is their national uh, centralized uh, payment switch that connects refugees to a payment ecosystem, providing them with access to a mobile wallet. On the digital financial services, uh, a good practice comes from uh, Uganda where the Communications Commission uh, issued a policy directive uh, to the mobile industry, enabling the majority of refugees with a valid uh, refugee ID to uh, legally access uh, SIM cards. Another interesting area is uh, on building awareness about refugees' own rights to access financial services. And so here, a good practice comes from Brazil, where uh, the central bank, in partnership with uh, government authorities, UNSCR and IOM, uh, has released a booklet containing guidelines for migrants and refugees on topics such as opening bank accounts, um, accessing loans, but also about warnings not to be victims of scams and also general information about the functioning of, uh, of the Brazilian financial system. Now, more recently, the EU, uh, through their Temporary Protection Directive, uh, is ensuring access uh, by refugees from Ukraine to temporary EU residency and gives them right to access and use uh, also a financial account with uh, basic features. Uh, while thinking about Ukraine, uh, UNICEAR has uh, set up in a record time a cash assistance program to support the internally displaced persons in cooperation and in coordination with the Ministry of uh, Social Policy and the Office of the President of Ukraine to ensure that our cash program was aligned with and also complementary to their existing social assistance program. And so uh, UNICEAR essentially uh, receives referrals for cash disbursement directly from the Ministry of, uh, of the registered internally displaced uh, that have specific vulnerabilities and uh, therefore can receive cash assistance. Great. So those are uh, excellent um, examples and they provide those supervisors and, and national entities with ways that they can help with financial inclusion for forcibly displaced persons. I, I particularly liked the idea from Brazil about the booklet uh, to help with uh, inclusion, but also to um, uh, help people become aware of not being further victimized in their circumstances. 
we have a bit of uh, time, uh, Nicole. Can uh, can we change the topic a little bit? I recently read in the uh, UNHCR Canada's Untold Stories newsletter that with over 100 million refugees and displaced uh, persons worldwide, climate change is one of the greatest threats in the world already marred by conflict. And that every year, more than 20 million people leave their homes and move to other areas in their countries because of climate issues. It would seem to me that taking action against climate risks can help reduce the number of refugees and displaced persons as a first step. What's the UNHCR's position on climate change? So UNHCR is providing protection and assistance to many refugees and other people displaced who have been affected by climate change. And climate change creates internal displacement before it reaches a level where people are forced to cross the borders. However, we are witnessing increasing situations where people may have a valid claim for refugee status, whereas the the climate emergency exacerbates an already very unstable and fragile situation characterized of uh, armed conflict, uh, widespread violence. And this is the case in particular of the Sahel region, which is one of the fastest growing displacement crises in the world, uh, and where conflict has forced almost 3 million people to flee both within the countries and across borders. And this region is also experiencing extreme temperatures, which are increasing at one and a half times as fast as the global average. And so this is causing a a higher frequency of of droughts and floods, which are threatening livelihoods and are aggravating food insecurity as people have reduced access to land and agricultural production. And just for our listeners' benefit, the Sahal region, could you just clarify which countries that might involve or which region that is in Africa? Yeah, the Sahel is a vast semi-arid region of Western and North Central Africa, which stretches from Senegal in the West up to Djibouti in the East. And uh, it includes countries such as Burkina Faso, uh, Mali, Chad, and Niger, uh, which are the countries where we are seeing these unprecedented rural exodus and a big new wave of forcibly displacement. Thank you for that. And, and I think that um, for the North American uh, listeners, uh, North America has faced uh, climate refugees already. The uh, 1930s uh, Dust Bowls and the migration from uh, the central prairie regions to places like California and elsewhere was a, a stark example of climate uh, refugees and uh, migration. It's good to know that the the UNHCR is prepared to uh, help uh, those people um, affected by climate change because uh, um, the news is is full of those uh, extreme weather events. It's been great uh, talking with you, Nicole. Any last words for central bankers, financial services supervisors and regulators about financial inclusion for forcibly displaced persons? 
yeah, maybe I will say that uh, there are a number of documents and guidelines that have been drafted and are readily available with uh, recommendations about what role central banks, um, financial services supervisors, regulators can play to improve access to financial services for, for forcibly displaced. So my recommendation is to familiarize with, um, with the barriers faced by this population in, in their country, look at uh, existing good practices um, in other jurisdictions, such as some of those that I was mentioning before, and engage with UNICEA to, to gather uh, more data, uh, information, and to uh, jointly find uh, solutions. Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Pistelli. It's, it's been my pleasure and honor to have you uh, speak with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Anatole. Thank you. TC has developed and delivered programs related to risk-based supervision and financial inclusion that may assist your agency in supporting financial inclusion for displaced persons. We're happy to discuss an opportunity to develop such a program for your jurisdiction, authority, or agency. Other related program development on financial crime is also underway, so make sure you sign up for our newsletter and alerts. Toronto Centre has trained more than 17,000 supervisors since its founding in 1998, and this work is generously supported by Global Affairs Canada, the Swedish International Development and Cooperation Agency, and the International Monetary Fund, and our other founders. I'm here today in Toronto, Canada, speaking with Ms. Nicole Pistelli, Senior Financial Inclusion Coordinator with the UNHCR, and you've been listening to a Toronto Centre podcast on the go. Thanks for joining us.